podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Many of us are fascinated with the ins and outs of trading and would love to know how we could get in on the money. However, it looks a bit difficult and daunting and some of the services provided to teach you, we don't trust them. We're not trying to get finesse out of our socks. However, have no fear because we have demo balling for you. They provide exclusive private subscription services for people interested in trading the Forex markets. That's for those who don't know, that's foreign currencies. You can make a quite a bit of money if you know what you're doing and Demo Balling are the perfect platform to help you with that. So for like stuff like order flow, technical analysis, market analysis, micro and macroeconomic fundamentals, live trading sessions, trading psychology, they all sound like Arabic to you, but trust me, it will make sense. So the best place to find out even more information is going to demoballing.com. So that's demo-ballin.com. Also check them out on Twitter, at demoballin, and on Insta, at, dem- at demoballin. And if you do um, contact them, let them know that I sent you so they can make me advertise on them all. So we, it's win-win for all of us. Hello and welcome back to episode 23 of the Disnomics Podcast. Shout out everybody who listened to the previous one with regards to the gender wage gap and football. It's a quick 11 minute podcast kind of going through why a women's game makes so much less than a men's game or why you can't really make gender pay gap arguments. So if you're interested in either gender pay gap or football, make sure to check that out. But yeah, we are now in August, August 2017, which actually marks a decade since the ball started rolling for one of the biggest financial disasters our world has seen. I'm sure many of you have heard the term credit crunch and financial crash. That all kind of started in the early 2000s, but they started to accelerate literally a decade to this month. So so I think it's very important for us to understand why the world changed from August 2007 because it affected all of us if you ask maybe your parents they could they could have they could cite to how banks may have changed and all that type of stuff so I'm gonna kind of give you like a timeline historical timeline as quickly as possible into what actually happened because I think it's very important for us to know anyway hmm, how shall I start this okay I think the the most important thing for me to do is to explain what a security is a security is a financial instrument that holds some form of monetary value. So it could be a share in a public trader company like Apple, or it could be like a credit to debt, debt to relationship. So like maybe ownership of government debt in the UK, so government bonds. So that's what security is. Basically, banks and co, they make these financial instruments and they trade them and, and that's how money's generated and made and sometimes lost. Some of some of you may have heard of the words or the acronym CDO, collateralized debt obligation. This is one a very key player in what happened in two thousand and seven and before and and afterwards. Okay, this sounds okay. You're thinking, what the hell is a collateralized debt obligation? It's a financial product which is essentially backed by a pool of loans. So, for example, um, we have loans such as mortgages, credit cards, car notes. Well, that's what Americans describe, or like car loans. These are generated and offered by banks and other institutions, right? So you so the bank has these loans, like a retail bank, so let's say NatWest or whatnot. They have they have these loans, they then sell them to investment banks. So your JP Morgan's, your Morgan Stanley's, etc. 
These investment banks then repackage them to form this investment product, this security, and then they sell them to investors. So that could be like me or you. So me or you could buy a CDO thinking, okay, cool. If we buy this CDO at £100, it could go up in value to £150. You see what I'm saying? But essentially, it is a pool of loans, right? Now, the average man or woman who, let's say, has a mortgage or a credit card loan, the interest that they pay or the debt repayments will go from them to obviously the retail bank that initially handed out that loan, which will then transfer to the investment bank that purchased that debt, those loans, those debts, sorry, of the retail bank, which would then go to the investors who actually purchased these loans as CDOs from an investment bank, right? So this is how like the industry was working. In the early 2000s, something you may have heard called subprime mortgages became super duper popular. Banks and then banks started using these as collateral, yeah? So what subprime mortgages were, how this came about is that the American government decided that, no, nah, it should be a right for you to own homes. So well, obviously the banks that were like, well, not everybody can afford to own a home. Obviously, um, I'm sure many of us may know that you have to have a certain amount of capital for your, maybe your deposit for a mortgage and have a certain level of credit rating or whatnot to get a house. Not everybody's going to be accepted in terms of a loan because obviously the banks, they don't want to loan money and not get back. Banks ain't, ain't got time to be trying to hide in your fridge and pop up like, yo, G, where's, where's my peas at? That's not what they want to do. So obviously they tried their best to make sure they make loans to people that can afford to pay it back. The American government was like, nope, you need to relax these um, legislation, um, these procedures. And the banks, the banks are thinking, this doesn't make sense. But obviously you can't really go toe-to-toe with the government, spend months and years in courts, dragging your reputation, etc. And it's not a fight you're going to win. So the governments really were the ones who really initiated this whole period of madness, like in terms of the subprime side. So people who had no business getting loans for mortgages were getting loans. I think at one point, US home ownership, I saw it was like 70%. So uh, people who had not really good credit rating, no stable source of income, not, not a lot of capital were getting mortgages. So basically every man, cat and, his, and their dog can get a mortgage, right? So... If you're thinking about this, yeah, so if all these, if the industry is heavily saturated, this and this is a credit default industry, credit um, debt obligation industry, all these securities are backed by these crappy mortgages. They're crappy loans because the person who has, who borrowed the money can't pay it back. So the foundation of the industry is jazz. There was loads of cheap money around after the mini recession of the dot-com bubble, which is the tech crash in like 97, 98, and the, and the mini uh, recession after 9-11, there was cheap interest rates. So when I say cheap money, that means cheap interest. So you could borrow money, you don't have to pay, and you don't pay it back at, at an expensive rate. So let's say, if, like at that time, interest rates were 1%. So you're borrowing money, you're paying back 1%, compared to like if interest rates were, let's say, 75%. So that's... the that's what I mean by cheap money. But yeah, there was a hell of cheap money about. Loads of cheap money about, which means there was a lot of liquidity on road. Liquidity means is like readily available money. So this sucked in all the thirsty bankers. None of them thirsty bankers, they were like, yes, this is we can make we can make this go up. And all the ambitious consumers and borrowers. So you had like people in less um less well-off neighborhoods, like so you had African Caribbean neighborhoods where loads of people were getting houses. And if you hear 
about I'm sure for those who listen to um, rap music, especially trap music, if you hear the term bando, bando is coined from abandoned house. And there was loads of abandoned houses after the financial crash because loads of these houses, nobody knew who owned the loans because obviously you're repackaging these loans, selling them on and everyone's flipping them. Nobody knows who owns, nobody knows who owns what debt. So once that, once you get kicked out of the house has been repossessed, nobody knows who it belongs to. So that's where you, that's where you hear the term bando and that's where it comes from. So yeah, there's loads of liquidity in road. The Federal Reserve, so that's the American Central Bank, they kept cutting interest rates. Interest rates like 1% for ages. The financial market was like Poundland. Everything on discount. Do you know when you walk past them Italian shoot shops in the city and you're seeing sell, sell 75% off? That's what the financial financial market was like. There was unlimited borrowing, unlimited discount. And subprime mortgages were a big example of these. It got to a point where banks were like, raw. Hey, what are you man saying? If we have to force to give people, we have to, if, if we are forced by the government to give people who don't shouldn't have a loan at this point in their lives loans, we could flip this in our favour. So they were aggressive. They were giving anybody a loan because they knew, okay, cool. All we could do is get this person in, get get um, give them a loan, and we could just flip this loan for money. Like there was emails from all types of banks where they'll catch bankers describing these loans as trash. They were even laughing about how they're conning people. So a lot of less well-off people were getting conned into getting these mortgages that they had no chance of paying back. So because banks were getting these loans in and repackaging them on and selling them on, they were creating the secondary market. And one of the big turning points was in 2004, so the year Greece won the Euro, shout out the Greek man them, the SEC... So that there's, there's like a government body for security exchanges. They enabled the five big banks at the time. So that's Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns and Morgan Stanley, pay attention to three of those names, to leverage up. So that's to increase their debt levels and to reduce their capital. 30 to 40 times their initial investment. This is insane. This is the beginning of the end. These men went crazy. So eventually interest rates had to go back up. So, interest rates were once 1%, as I told you before. But by 2006, the Fed increased to 5.25%. So the, so, the price of money has essentially gone up. So, the price of borrowing has gone up. So, towards the end of 2005, which was before that, house prices started to drop. And the increase in the interest rates led to the increase in the defaults of the subprime mortgages. Remember I said how people couldn't really afford to have these loans. So obviously when the house prices were going up and the interest rates on the payments had to go up as well, these people were like, right, we can't afford this. So there was so there was an increase in defaults, which as I said before, led to hella, 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 hella bandos in America. So as I said, there was an increase in defaults. People started to default on their loans. And in 2007, almost every month, I think virtually is a period for like every month, like a credible sub- subprime mortgage lender was filing for bankruptcy. All these men were going out of business. I think between February and March 2007, 25 bodies dropped. So when I say 25 bodies dropped, I mean 25 subprime um, mortgage lenders went into bankruptcy. And then the news started to hit the real world. When I say the real world, I mean like the everyday people, like you and I. And the real and, and news such as like financial firms and hedge funds, they owned more than one trillion dollars in securities backed by these subprime mortgages. So remember I said the industry 
the banks were getting these loans in and just flipping, flipping, flipping. One trillion dollars, one thousand billion worth of loans backed by these trash, trash loans. Trash. That's like you using, I don't know, expired milk <laughs> as collateral for your loan to your sister. So obviously, yeah, if you can't pay back, okay, if you can't pay a sister back, yeah, you can hold this expired milk. Don't work for nobody. So yeah, so people start to clock raw. This is danger. We're in big, big, big trouble. Because if the people who take out these loans, so at the grassroots level, so if these people start defaulting, it's going to be one big atomic bomb of trash. I want to use the S word, but I want to keep it PG. So if, if we bring it back to the UK, in August 2007, the madness happened with Northern Rock. So I'm, some of you may remember 2007, loads of people queuing up outside one like building society slash bank or whatever. That was because Northern Rock had to go to the Bank of Bank of England like Yoji. Money's a bit tight. Can you bust me a couple billy? Basically, they didn't have enough liquidity to pay to make um, repayments. And as I said, liquidity is having readily available money. I remember I was talking about how banks and business um, banks and institutions are leveraging up, so they're having less capital available to them, and they're taking on more debt. They didn't have the liquidity to make their repayments and this boots so many people because so many people had the savings of North Rock. So that's why you saw queues and queues of people going into North Rock to try and get their money out before it's too late. And let me give you an example of why people are doing this. If you look um, not a couple of years ago in Greece, there's a point where Greece, they weren't even allowing people to take out more than a certain amount of money from their, from the, at the ATM machines. In fact, at one point, I'm pretty sure it was banned because the Greek banks didn't have enough money. I'm even sure one Greek bank was they imposed a haircut tax. So basically, if you had more than 8,000 euros, they'll take a certain amount of it because they didn't have the money. So this is why people were worried. You see what I'm saying? So, which this leads on to the credit crunch. This is, um, this is what happened after this whole disaster. A credit crunch is when there's less readily available credit in the economy. So as I said, cheap, easy money. And when it becomes... This is when it's banks are more reluctant to lend because of financial climate. And this is very, very bad because it helps so it's harder for businesses to grow because they can't get the money to borrow. They can't borrow the money to help invest. Anyway, back to the point. So Northern Rock started to go higgy. Everything started moving mad. JP Morgan had to acquire Bear Stearns. So I'm sure many of you have heard of JP Morgan, Massive Investment Bank from America. They got a big office in Canary Wharf. They swallowed up Bear Stearns. Remember I said, pay attention to them five banks? Merrill Lynch, which is one of the five banks, they got caught by Bank of America. So I'm sure many of you may have heard of Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. They were at once two separate entities. So Bank of England caught Merrill Lynch. I think Merrill Lynch are based around Fleet Street sides. And then Lehman, Lehman Brothers, they filed for bankruptcy. Like, they couldn't even catch a break. <laughs> The US government, in the end, ended up spending $700 billion buying all these trash-ass assets to help bail out these banks, which does infuriate the average person because we're thinking, you lot will never put $700 billion or, seven, or let's say, what's the equivalent, £500 billion into reinvesting in our economy, in the real economy. So that's kitting out all the schools, putting um, kitting out NHS, making, um, making our roads better, making a better fire service, putting more police on the streets in certain areas, 
that are crime ridden, all that type of stuff. Having broadband everywhere. Do you know that type of investment in the real economy? But obviously, <laughs> the game's a game. So yeah, the US government spent $700 billion on buying a bunch of trash-ass assets to help bail out the bank. And this whole fiasco sent the world into a spiral. As I said, it was hard. There was, a, there was a credit crunch. It was harder for businesses to borrow. People started spending less. So if you look at aggregate demand, so I'm pretty sure I explained aggregate demand before. If you haven't, if you haven't heard of the demand, demand supply analysis, check dysnomics.com forward slash blog. Aggregate demand, you got the, the formula C plus I plus G plus X minus M. So that's consumption, investment, government expenditure, and net and net um, exports. So how much you export minus the import. So that kind of aggregates your demand for the economy, right? Consumption was down. Investment was down. So this started to show recessionary pressures because obviously if, you, if, if, you, if there's a decrease in aggregate demand, that means th- there's less output in the economy, so your economy's actually shrinking. And this, and this sent the world into a spiral. We're only semi-recovering now still, and we don't even know when the next one could come and hit us. So yeah... That was a short timeline. I tried to keep it as brief as possible and as basic as possible. If anyone wants any additional information, hit me up at hello at dysonomics.com or tweet me at dysonomics. And something else to look out for, me and a few good men, we started a podcast called The Conversation. So that's basically us talking about social economic issues affecting um, African and Caribbean men in the UK. So check that out. It's the conversation on SoundCloud. I'll put the link in the description on us on my SoundCloud and um, iTunes page. Also, just tweet me for it, and I'll hook you up with it. But yes, thank you for listening. Any questions I said, hello at islamist.com, whether it be general economic questions, suggestions for topics, anything, hit me up. But thank you for listening and God bless. I'ma grab it up, I've been stacking, I've been stacking, just wait till I pattern up. Pattern up, flip this money, then we stack it up. Burning bridges, niggas acting up. She on my body like I'm tied up. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I ain't seen nobody bad as hard. I'ma get this money, I'ma grab it up. I've been stacking, I've been stacking, just wait till I pattern up. Sports Social Podcast Network.